0: Hello, my name is Jordan Tardo, and I'm the lead pastor at Experience Church. I'd like to take a moment and just say thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast today. I hope this message blesses you. I hope it encourages you. I hope it strengthens you for what God has called you to today. We're in a series called Running with the Giants. And um, our text for this series is coming out of Hebrews chapter 12. In verse one, and it says, Wherefore, sin we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. And you can read about all of the the giants pretty much that we talk about. In in the previous chapter, that's why it says, wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. It's actually just continuing the chapter from chapter 11, and it's talking about all the great men of God that had faith uh, in the Bible. And, you know, what we we, we talk about is if we were to pull someone out of the crowd and say, hey, walk with me and tell me, how did you do it? How did you make it? How did you overcome? Tell me how to deal with the trials that you may have faced. Um, and one thing that I know about all of the people that we pull, uh, I like to call it the whole Mark of faith. You know, there, there, there's something called the hall of fame. And the hall of fame is where all of these great athletes, they take these great athletes after their career is over, and they put them into the Hall of Fame. You know, people like Michael Jordan and Larry Bird and, you know, uh, Joe Dumas and Barry Sanders, all these athletes, they place them into the Hall of Fame saying that you've played the game. You were good at the game. You excelled in the game, and now you're in the Hall of Fame, and these men here are men, what they all had in common, men and women, they all had faith. That's the one thing they had in common, and that's why they're in the Hall of Faith chapter, because they all believe God in difficult times in their lives. So that's what we need. We need faith. We need to continue to believe God no matter what our situations may look like. And today I want to pull out a man by the name of Nicodemus. And and Nicodemus, you know, you may not read about him in chapter 11. There's some people in chapter 11, you wonder, why are you in the hall of faith? Because of their lifestyle and things they did, like murdered somebody or David committed adultery. And, you know, but it wasn't about their life and their, 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 their conversations every day. It was about them believing God. The only reason they was in the hall of faith is by their faith. And Nicodemus, you won't read about him in there, but I believe that he was a giant. And I'll tell you why here in a minute. Let's read John chapter 3. It says, now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. No one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, verily, truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter the second time into their mother's womb again. Jesus answered, Verily, truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water in the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, You must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear the sound. But you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be is the million-dollar question. Nicodemus, the Bible says, was a Pharisee. Now, a Pharisee were were somebody in the Bible that they they really believed the law, like they lived up to the law. They they were self-righteous people. They were self-righteous people, and Jesus talked about them in Matthew chapter 23. I'll show you what Jesus said to them about the Pharisees. He said, Woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside, they're full of the bones of of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Now, I don't know about Nicodemus, but in my days, Jesus, those was fighting words. Like, I don't like the way you're coming at me right here. But they were self-righteous people. And what Jesus was saying was that you're doing everything on the outside for people to see, but there's a bigger problem going on on the inside of your heart. He was a Pharisee. He had that going on. But he was also a ruler of the people. So he he was a a Sanhedrin. And what a Sanhedrin was, that was kind of like the Supreme Court you know, where where they brought the bigger cases or or the most important cases to them. You know, it was between 21 to 70 people that sat around and judged uh, these cases. And matter of fact, they brought Jesus to the high priest who uh, was also a Sanhedrin. And they brought Jesus to them, um, Joseph uh, uh, Cephas is his name, uh, to judge Jesus for, for the crimes that they was trying to Uh, say that he did as well. So Nicodemus, he was a Pharisee and also a Sanhedrin. And here he is, the Bible says, that he came to Jesus by night. And he came to Jesus by night because he didn't want his friends to know that he was coming to Jesus. Like, I cannot be seen with the man that my circle despised. So he secretly came to Jesus At night and said, Jesus, I've been hearing you. There's something going on with you. He said, I know that you have to have come from God because nobody can do the things that you're doing except they come from God. The way you're healing the sick, the way you're talking to people like there's something more. With you. And Nicodemus, I think he realized that I've been in a place where I haven't really been happy in my life. Like I've been in a dark place for a long time myself. And I need to come out of this place and you're talking like you're the light. And the Bible says, in him was light, and the life was the light of men. So here is Nicodemus in darkness coming to the light, and he's being exposed by the light. Jesus, I know you came from God. And Jesus simply said this, you must be born again, Nicodemus. Like, hold on, man! What are you talking about? Being born again? Well, what is being born again? Nicodemus said, "What you want me to like crawl back up in there, or what? Well, what's going on? Like, I don't understand being born again." I think one. I think if we take Nicodemus right and we walk with Nicodemus, I think one thing that he would tell us is to just come out of the darkness. Like we've been living in secret for so long. And we've been hiding our faith for so long. Not really wanting to be exposed for who we really are and how we really uh, believe Jesus Christ. So we secretly come to him at night. But on our jobs, we kind of just fit in. In our classrooms and on campus and and, and with our friends, we kind of just fit in. We kind of secretly keep Jesus to ourselves. I think Nicodemus would say we need to just come out of that. And and sometimes I think we need to not only come out of that, but there are some dark places that you may be in right now. And God is saying that you, you, you need to come out of that place. Because you've been there too long. You've been in a dark place of depression and a dark place of fear and, and anger in your life. And, and, and Jesus is saying, you need to just come out of that situation as well. I love the way John chapter 12 reads. It says, nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many, the chief ruler, the Sanhedrins, Nicodemus and his, his clique, they believed on Jesus. They believed on him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him. Like they didn't confess him because of the people. Because they said at least they should put them out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. See, Nicodemus came out in spite of his uncertainties and his fears His doubts, he said, I'm coming out of this secret place, out of darkness to the light so that I can be exposed. And a a lot of things that keep us from coming out of that secret place or out of the darkness is just like we just read, because of the Pharisees or what people may think, we don't want to be ostracized. We don't want to be like, rejected by the people, we love the praise of people more than the praise of God. Maybe it's traditions that keeps you from coming out. Like, I've always done it this way, Jesus. I wonder if Jesus had a Facebook page or Instagram page, how many of us will follow it? How many of us will hit the like button? From what Jesus is saying on Facebook or Instagram. Or will we just uh uh-uh, uh I don't like that saying, Jesus. I think he would tell us to come out of that secret place and be born again. He said, Nicodemus, you must be born again. Being born again, we hear the phrase all the time, we, you must be born again. What does it really mean? It simply means you must enter into a relationship with God. Come on, you must enter into a relationship with God. It means that you need to stop dating God and marry God. Oh, come on, somebody. You know how it is when you're dating somebody and everybody around you. Is getting married. Come on, ladies. And you're saying, like, when is he going to ask me to marry? Am I not good enough? Do he really love me? Because we've been dating for five years now. And Jesus is saying, you've been dating me for a long time. I'm ready to get married Now. I'm ready to enter into a relationship with you that's deeper than just dating. See, because when you're dating, you still have a little freedom. Come on, married couples. When you're dating, you can still kind of do what you want to do. But when you're married, you're locked in. Come on, when you're married, you got to explain everything. Come on, somebody. (laughs) Where, where, Where are you at? I'm over here on, on town. I'm at the store. Why well, I thought you was at work. When you left work? Well, I left work about two minutes ago. When you coming home? I'm on the way as soon as I leave the store. Like when you're married, you got everything. You spent $3.50 off the account? Yeah, I bought a soda. <laughs> Jesus is saying, I want to get more intimate with you. I want want you to be born again. I want you to get past just dating me. I want you to, to have that encounter. And I'm telling you now, if you ever have that encounter with Jesus, your life will forever be changed. Come on, anybody had an encounter? Come on. I don't care anywhere you look in the Bible, whether it's the blind man, the lame man, the deaf man, the dead man. If they came in contact with Jesus, their life was changed. God wants you to have an encounter. First Peter says it like this, chapter 1, verse 22. He said, now that you have been purified yourself by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for for each other, Love one another deeply from the heart, for you have been born again. You've entered into a relationship, not a perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. He said you've been born again. To be born again it's meaning, means to enter into that relationship with God. It means to beget into a new life, meaning that you can have a new life. Second Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 17 says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, I say any man, the lion man, the thieving man, the drunken man, the fornicating man, any man, once you enter into a relationship with Christ, you can become a new creature. Old things have passed away. All things can become new in your life, and sometimes we think we've entered into that relationship, but we really haven't. I, I had a have a coworker, and we was all on a trip, and um, you know, everybody kn- know me as being, you know, they called me the preacher, the pastor, whatever, at work, right? And um, we were we were all riding it was you know five of us in the car and we was riding and we almost had an accident in the in the company's car and um, the the guy one of the guys he's a he you know he's a jokester he liked to you know make jokes and he was like oh I'm going to be all right cuz I'm sitting beside the pastor the <laughs> preacher he saying that right pastor I said well brother I mean I don't know <laughs> I mean I'm going to be all right. <laughs> you know, I say, you know, I'm, I mean, I got a relationship with Christ, you know. And he said, um, well, I, I mean, I, I think I do. I mean, I, he said, I did something when I was little. I kind of walked down the aisle and I did something, but I don't know what it meant. I said, well, brother, if you don't know what it means, <laughs> you might want to walk again. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you might want to revisit that. You know, and sometimes we can live life so long, all of our life thinking because I did what my mom said do, or I did what the pastor said to do, or the preacher said to do, or what everybody else was doing, because they poured water on my head and they baptized me, and I can think that now I'm saved, but I never really entered into that relationship with God. And God wants you to enter into that relationship yourself. So if you don't really know what it means, if you don't really understand that born again aspect and what it means to be in that intimate relationship with God, to be that new creature, you might want to look into it. Because you can be new. Have you ever, that word new is like a freshness. Like you ever open something new. You know, everybody loves the smell of something new. And he, he's saying that you can be new. Have you ever grabbed an old shirt that you, you know, had on? Come on, I, I'm telling on myself. You know, you try to put on an old dirty shirt and you, you smell that thing and say, whoa, I can't put that back on. Come on, y'all know y'all be snatching out of the laundry basket. Don't think it's just me. <laughs> but there's such a difference between the old and the new. It's time to throw the old back out. Like, I'm not putting that back on. I'm entering into a relationship with Jesus so that I can be this new born-again believer. Jesus said like this, Nicodemus, truly, truly, you must be born again. In John 3, 5, he says, Jesus answered, verily, truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of the water and of the spirit. You cannot work your way into the kingdom. You cannot pay your way into the kingdom. It doesn't matter about how much money you have, your status in life, your career, your education, it will not get you into the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said you must be born again. The kingdom of God has to first come in you. Before you can get into the kingdom, I'll show you Romans chapter 14, verse 17 says, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. It's not these worldly things, these worldly accomplishments. It's not how big your house is or how how nice your car is or, or how famous you are. No, it's righteousness. It's the peace of God. It's the joy that God gives in the Holy Spirit of God that lives in your heart. So you have to have the kingdom of God come here before you can get into the kingdom up there. And it's being born again, meaning entering into that relationship with God. Jesus said, thy kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, let earth, In me, let it my heart look like what's going on in heaven. I want the joy of God that's in heaven here. The peace of God that's up there. I want it here on earth. And you only get it by being born again. I also think Nicodemus would tell us to be bold. Come out, be born again, and be bold. Be bold in your faith. Acts chapter uh, Three talks about, you know, the disciples, Peter and John, they enter, and this isn't up there, they enter into the the Jerusalem, and there was a man that was laid by the gate, and they looked at him and told him, silver and gold I don't have, but such as I have, I give unto you in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And the man leaped up, walking, leaping, and praising God, and then the Sanhedrin, the rulers, they took Peter and John and they began to judge them because they did that. And when they let them go, Peter and John went back in, in Acts chapter 4, verse 27. And it talks about them going back and they, and they came back to the group, to the other believers and, and told them about how the rulers threatened their lives. And they all say, let us pray for boldness that we may speak the word of God in boldness, like let us be able to speak God's word without fear, be, have courage to speak the word of God, and that, that, that boldness, that word that they prayed for, means the freedom of speech. Meaning, God, give me the freedom of speech. Give me the, 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 the boldness to, to be fearless about speaking your word about telling people who you are. And I believe that it's time for Christians everywhere to be bold because the world is being very bold right now. Come on. They're being bold and they're they're, 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 they're telling us how they want the world to look, but we need to tell them how Jesus says the world should look. It's time to be bold in our faith. In John chapter 7, verse 45, this is where we see Nicodemus again. And it says, the temple police who had been sent to arrest him returned to the chief priest and the Pharisees. They sent these people out to go and get Jesus. Then they came back and say, why didn't you bring him in? They demanded. He says, such wonderful things, they mumble. We never heard anything like this. So the rulers, they said, so you have been led astray? The Pharisees mocked. Is there a single one of us Jewish rulers or Pharisees who believes that he is the Messiah? These stupid crowds do. Yes. But what do they know about it? Curse upon them anyway. Then Nicodemus spoke up. Nicodemus, then it says this, do you remember him? He was the Jewish leader who came secretly to interview Jesus. You see the growth in Nicodemus' faith. You see how he came to Jesus secretly at night, but now he's sitting at the table with the rulers and he's speaking up about Jesus. He's been bold. In his faith. What if we as believers, as Christians, start being bold? What if we start being bold in our schools as teachers? Being bold in our governments as government workers? Being bold on our job? Being bold in the grocery stores? What if we start being bold? And start telling people, Jesus is the way. I had an encounter with him. I know he's the truth. I was dead. He gave me life. I think it's time for us to be bold. And that simply means speaking up about what you believe in. Come on, it ain't time for us to shy back. Paul says it like this. And, and, and he says in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. That word ashamed is the same word that was used when Adam and Eve hid themselves. And the enemy want us to hide ourselves, to be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ and not tell the world that Jesus is Lord. Come on, it's time to speak up, y'all, because we've overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Come on, it's time to tell people about Jesus. It's time to be witnesses. Jesus said you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem in Judea and in, the, in Samaria in the uttermost parts of the world. Come on, let us start witnessing in our homes, being witnesses in our communities, being witnesses outside of Tallahassee, being witnesses when I take a trip for Jesus Christ. Be bold in our faith. And believe the gospel. It's okay. And sometimes we don't want to be bold because we we lack Knowledge of the word of God. But sometimes it's not even about telling people about the scripture. It's about just telling them about what Jesus did in your life. It's just that simple. Here's what Jesus did for me. I understand what you're going through. Just as simple, I'm going to be praying for you. Just witness. I, I, just just telling somebody How much Jesus loved them in the face of their adversity and what they're going through. Sometimes you ain't got to even mention a scripture. Just, hey, I remember when I went through this, what Jesus did for me and how he comforted me. It's time to be bold. It's time to be bold. And that means being different sometimes. It's like, this is who I am. I don't have to fit in. We got too many believers blending in with the world. And I think that Nicodemus would tell us we need to be light in this dark world. It's time for believers to shine, to be light. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill, it can't be hid. I've placed you in position to be the light. So that like Nicodemus, people can come out of the darkness and come to the light. It's time for us to shine in this dark world as believers. And we do that simply by loving people. Jesus said like this in John 13, 34, by this, they should know that you are my disciples. Simply by this. You got love. You love each other. You love people. And you're shining because of it. I have a co-worker. I don't don't really talk to him much. You know, they work in a whole other department. And um, I was walking down the hall one day, and he, he was like, hey, Kenny, can I talk to you? I say, yeah, man, sure, what's going on? You okay? I say, um, can we go outside? I said, Yeah, sure, yeah, man. I you ain't finna swing on me, is you? I mean, that was a, sound like a call out or something. You know? And um, we go outside and he said, Man, he said, I'm he say, I'm trying to do this Bible thing, my wife and I. And he said, I don't know the Bible, but I think you probably the best person if anybody to talk about it. And he said, um, I, I, I never been to church. I never read the Bible. And uh, my wife, she hasn't been to church in years. She said, I was just hoping you can tell me, like, where to start or what to do. I said, oh, yeah, sure, man. You know, that little fire in me. That's right up my alley. I said, yeah, man. I said, if I were you, I would just take the book of John and start reading the book of John. You know, one chapter at a time. Just go back, read chapter one. Hey, let's talk about it tomorrow. You know, hey, by the way, I got a devotional that I want to give to you that you and your wife can kind of read together that would, you know, give you some commentary and some scripture and explain what's going on. He was like, that would be great. The next day he come in and he says, hey, can we talk? I said, yeah, come on in the office. Come on in the office. Go in the office. I close the door. He say, oh, man, it was so good. I read chapter 1. I said, yeah, chapter 1 is so good. Jesus talked about, you know, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was light, you know, and, and, and he dwelt among us. I say, it's so good. I love John chapter 1. And, and he, say, um, he say, man, he said the devotion of my wife loved the devotion. I, I say, that's great, man. I say, that's great. I say, man, listen, I'm telling you, I know in my own life, I say, man, listen, I, I was like you. I didn't know God. I said I was far from God. I didn't know God. I say I lived in darkness, man, and and man, I was talking about man. I've done all sins, like bro. I was like lost. I say I say, but the best decision I ever made was when I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And I say, the Bible says in John three sixteen that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And I say, man, God love us so much. He knows what we've been through. He knows everything about us. I say, if you would just, you know, give your life to God, man, I say, you, you would be a new creature, you would be better, you know, because he loves you. I say, you know, a lot of times when we're young, we think we have all this time to get right, but the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Like, you got to make a decision today, you know. I say, but I can't help you do that. I say, that's up to you. You got to be willing to do that on your own. I say, but it's, it, a lot of times we make it seem so hard, but really it's simple to enter into that relationship with God. And, you know, I say, I mean, I can help you do that if you want it to, but that's on you. He said, man, I want. By this time, he was crying. He was crying. He said, man, I want it. He said, "I wanna, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna do it." I said, "Well, man, let's grab hands right here, man, and let's, you know, just go to go to Jesus." And I, we grabbed hands, and I prayed the, the prayer with him. Lord, you know, save him. You know, get, went through the you know the spiel that we do, and 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 and, and talked with him through it. You know, through prayer, and just prayed for him and his wife. And he was boohoo crying. And he said, "Thank you, man." He said, "Thank you so much. Thank you so much." I said, "Man, Jesus loves you, brother." And that's all it's about. And you know what I think? I think the last thing, and I'm closing. I think the last thing that Nicodemus would tell us is to be passionate about Jesus. Be passionate about the word of God. Be on fire for God so that other people can see that fire and they can ask, how can I get what you have? Be passionate. Be in love with Jesus. Be in love with the word of God. Be on fire about coming to prayer and coming to church and serving in the community. Be passionate about it. Revelation chapter 2 says, I write to you to inform you a message from him who walks among the churches and hold their leaders in his right hand. He says to you, I know how many good things you are doing. I have watched your hard work, your patience. I know you don't tolerate sin among your members and you have carefully examined the claims of those who say there are apostles but aren't. You have found out how they lie. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. But there's one thing. One thing that's wrong and that's you don't love me as first. Think about those times of your first love, how different now. And turn back to me again and work as you did before. He's saying you're not passionate anymore. You've lost your fire. Come on, you know how it is when you're in a relationship and how you know you're you're on fire for that that person and you know, you, you're up all night on the phone, 12 o'clock, you hear him snowing, but you're still on the phone because you're passionate about pursuing that relationship. And then you go ahead and you get married, and you, you know, you're married for five, ten years, and 15 years, and you've lost the passion, and you don't even want to go home now because Your fire isn't burning anymore. Come on, married couples. Think it's time for us to relight that fire. To get passionate again in our marriage. Some of us on our jobs, we were passionate about our jobs when we first got our job. We prayed that God would give us a job. And we got that job. And we were so excited. We were the first one there. Didn't even have a badge yet. But we were waiting for somebody to open the door because we were excited about our new job. And six years later, you're saying, man, I got to go to this job. I don't want to deal with these people. I want a new job. Not excited about the job anymore that God blessed you with. Not excited about the spouse that God blessed me with anymore. And sometimes we can get like that in our careers, and our educations, and we just lose the passion. But we can also get like that with God. And we're not passionate about God anymore. And I think Nicodemus would tell us today to relight that fire. Come out. Be bold. Be born again. Be light and be passionate about God. Let us bow our heads.